There we go. Oh, the long. You are now tuned in to the real Coach JB Slapdick Podcast. Last chance for me, will I make it, will I take it to the top, we gon' see, it's a last chance for you, last chance for me, it's a last chance for you, last chance for me, it's a last chance for you, last chance for me, will I make it, will I take it to the top, we gon' see, it's a last chance for you. What up, what up, Real Coach JB, man, shout out to all my YouTube uh, subscribers and listeners, come a member today. I'll be giving away a lot of perks, a lot of uh, incredible giveaways. Uh, there's three tiers you can get. So uh, come be a member today. Um, listen, quote of the day, man. People keep saying, uh, have a great day. Uh, you know you hear that shit every day. Have a great day. To me, during these times, have a great day has become like wishing in one hand and shitting in the other one and see which one fills up first. It's a fucking... It's a shot in the dark if you can have a great day. And uh, basically, you're just hoping a motherfucker has a great day. I stopped saying have a great day to everybody. Have a good day. Have a great day. The quote of the day is make it a great day. That's simple as fuck. Make it a great day. Because have a great day just don't work. Especially during these times. So make it a great day. Real fucking cut to the. It's right to the point, clear and cut, and uh, and we can move on, man. Um, but let's let's make it a great day. That means you got to go turn over rocks, figure out a way to make it great. Because I'm telling you, if every every one of us makes something great happen, then maybe we can contribute to part of this fucking problem and be a be a solution and not bigger fucking part of the problem. So make it a great day today, man. Um, 9.30 on the West Coast, 9.25 on this uh, August 28th, 2020. Lots to talk about. A lot of shit's happened, man. A couple last couple of days. Um, you know, so let me get my sponsor out the way. Manscaped um, has been a loyal sponsor of the Slapdick Podcast, man. So make sure you guys, ladies and gentlemen, go out there and get you some ball creams, ball lotions, Make sure that your asses is fucking uh, scaping your man parts, man. Your women like it. If you're not talking about that at home during a pillow talk, maybe you're watching JB's fucking 90-day pillow talk, then you fucking up. And your girl's scared to tell you, and your ass is wrong for trying to put your fucking hairy-ass bush all over her. So get you some manscape. 2020 has been a year of things happening that are completely out of our control. But there is one thing you can't control, and that's shaving our bush. Our sponsors at Manscaped here are here to remind you to do so. Manscaped is here to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. Like I said, go shave your balls, man. Um, In fact, listeners of this show, Slapdick Podcast, if you use my promo code SLAPDICK, you get 20% off and free shipping. Again, with my promo code, SLAPDICK, and um, you will be able to get 20% off plus free shipping at manscaped.com. Manscaped.com, use my promo code, SLAPDICK, and grab you uh, grab 2020 by the horns and shave that front trunk. Take your grooming needs and grooming game to the next level. So, 
Go get you some Manscaped, man. Promo code Slapdick. Hey, I appreciate you, uh, Shane, out there pushing the membership. Hey, I'm going to give away a lot, man. I'm going to do one-on-one uh, Skype or Zoom interviews uh, with people, fans, whoever, giving away whiskey and cigars, giving away books, my book, Hate Me Now, Love Me Later. Also, I'll be having a, my own coaching show, which I'm going to discuss everything from techniques, fundamentals, fronts, protections, um, every single thing you could think of, administrative, recruiting, I'll be making my own slapdick channel next week, and it will have a variety of different things. But one of them will be a coaching show um, dedicated to young coaches or whoever wants to join it and uh, learn football uh, from the ground roots, grassroots, what have you, in a way that you won't get from the normal fucking clinic. So become a member of uh, my YouTube channel. Um, So... A lot of shit has happened, man. You know, the NBA protested. They've uh, they suspended a game. And uh, forever self-employed on YouTube. I appreciate you, man. Let's do it. I'm horrible at this shit. I just do it, man. You know, I'm not I'm not out to try to make it rich off the shit. I'm just doing it to do do it. Be real, man. Just to be real. Um, but I appreciate you. Um, I'm willing to. I'm open to hear anything, man. Um, a lot has happened, man. You know, the NBA protested the other day. So they protested. And, you know, we're going to go into that discussion of why they la- it la- lasted about two days. Um, and we're going to go into all that. All right. I got my thoughts. And I'll take some, some, some people's thoughts on YouTube and, uh, and later on. We got this Brian Erlacher situation. You got this Daryl Strawberry situation. You got the Brian Kelly, Notre Dame, Black Lives Matter issue. You got the hockey issue of just basically ignoring the situation and playing the same night um, that baseball and football and basketball decided to stay uh, to, to protest. You got, you know, the Dame Lillard leaves the bubble. Um, I'm going to get into some seven-on-seven high school passing league uh, discussions on how they're affecting the game at every fucking level, in my opinion. Uh, the private school coaches, pros and cons, and the high school level. Lute Olson uh, passed away today. Great coach at Arizona University. Uh, I'm gonna talk about a Damon Stoudemire discussion I had with him. Uh, R. Kelly got beat the fuck up. Maybe he got fucked. I don't know. Um, we'll see. Um, my thoughts on Tiger Woods, how he's really Weiger Woods, and he ain't doing shit. Uh, not for the black community. I don't know why. He's, he just seems like he's not claiming any type of black ethnicity at this point. I'll get into my own Tiger Woods experiences that I have. I do have some of our own personal ones. People don't realize me and Tiger grew up not too far away, and we played golf against each other in high school. And, uh, hey. I'll give you a few funny stories. Um, so let's get into this, this this whole thing, man. The NBA has basically been leading the front on everything. They've led from having an action plan, executing a plan, Adam Silver possibly being one of the best commissioners of all time. I put him right there with Pete Rozelle, who basically made the NFL what it is. Also a Compton alum, Compton native. Shout out to Pete Rozelle. Him and my dad were best friends growing up. But anyway, you know, 
The NBA created a fucking test for COVID that the government's now using. The NBA's done a lot of shit. The owners have been boisterous. They've also been supportive um, of the players uh, with the Black Lives Matter on the court and on the shirts and putting their own names. They've done shit that other people wouldn't do. NFL probably wouldn't do it. You know, they're too worried about their white-owned money. So the NBA has stuck their, their dick out pretty much, to say the least. And knowing it can get cut off or knowing it can grow, that's really what it is. And uh hate for my analogies, but that's what makes people remember shit. My analogies make you remember shit. So that's a good sign of a fucking coach and a teacher, just so you know, FYI. But anyway, you might not agree with it, but a motherfucker's works. So people holding the athletes to a higher political standard than the fucking actual politicians blows my mind. That's the bitch shit in America that we have going right now. Because there's literally people out there holding athletes to a higher political standard than the actual politicians that we rely on. And it's fucking unbelievable to me. I just don't understand it. So the NBA decides to protest. They were going to be wrong and hated on by the haters of the world if they came back a day later or a fucking week later. So all you haters out there, shut the fuck up. What are you doing? Like, I want to know what you motherfuckers are doing. I just don't understand it because I don't get what you guys are doing. You guys, all these keyboard cowards want to talk shit about everything that's going on. But anyone that has a platform and sticks their neck out and willing to sacrifice and stick their reputation on the line is somebody you should commend. But you guys are out there hating on them and they can do they can't do wrong. They can't do right. I mean, they cannot do right in your mind, in your fucking mind, because you guys doing so much for the fucking people. I'm sure sitting there eating donuts, um, tweeting. Because your fucking asses can't fucking really sit there and understand that there's people that stick their neck out and is willing to change. But your asses don't want to do that shit. You want to just talk shit on a computer. Now, people are going to ask, how does one or two days do anything? Of, uh, does, does that do anything as a protest? Does that really... Um, show anything um I, I don't know i don't know but who else is doing shit like that's my question who else is doing shit um so nba says they will play playoffs obviously i think they start back tomorrow saturday i mean who else is doing something all you naysayers out there just talk shit but the nba adam silver deserves so much credit because they deserve so much credit, in my opinion, for having a plan by Adam Silver. The administration and the NBA employees stuck to the plan. They preached the plan, which is a good subordinate and good assistant is supposed to do. And that's what they do. That's what a good organizationally ran leader does. And Adam Silver did it. No COVID positives, bubbled it up, 
created a, a an environment that was conducive to success and winning, regardless of the winners and losers on the court. Obviously, it's a bigger fucking deal right now in America. And, you know, I already say it stops. It starts at the top. Shit rolls downhill and we have nothing at the top. And the NBA is proven to be greater than what we have on 1600 Penn Ave. So my whole thing is NBA says, you know, let's use the platform and use it the right way. I agree. I don't think you could have walked away. I think walking away was the easy way out. And what were the people that were going to leave do? Because a lot of these youngsters who have millions of dollars, who come from nothing, what are they going to do when they leave the bubble? They're going to go chill with the homies, with their girl, fucking drink, chill, do whatever, get on a yacht, go somewhere. They're not going to fight the good fight. So let's keep it real. They're not going to go fight this fight. So they're going to go to Titty Bar and get chicken wings like my boy Jim says on YouTube. True. That's what they're going to do. And spread the virus, catch the virus. Who knows, right? Who's going to go out on the front line if they leave the bubble and get it jumping? Nobody. And not a lot. You're going to have the Jalen Browns and maybe the Chris Pauls and the LeBrons. And those guys will go out. But they're not going to go out there like we think. Everybody's going to leave the bubble and go straight to fucking front line in, in, in uh, Wisconsin. Hell no. They're not. So, play the season. Because I'm just going to be honest. If they did leave, I agree with Shane and Michael. If they did leave, if they left the bubble, you don't have millions of people globally here get to hear the message that Doc Rivers said. Because nobody's going to listen to them if they weren't in, in a bubble. If they weren't playing, that's why. If they weren't playing, you ain't going to hear Doc Rivers globally. You ain't. You're not going to hear Chris Webber. You're not going to hear, um, you know, these voices. Kenny Smith walking off TNT. You're not going to see the things that hopefully we we see and we're like, fuck, that's a shocker. You know, that that's maybe a shock treatment for for people. And in the end, the Major League Baseball would not have been the leaders because they have no leader. They're soft, enabled prima donnas. Those fucking baseball players wouldn't have done nothing on their own. So obviously they followed, they followed the NBA who was in the bubble playing. And if they weren't in the bubble and if they leave the bubble, there will be no voice heard. I'm just going to be honest. The voice will be a lot louder if they stay and if they can continue to help the United States be optimistic that there are better days ahead. And I just feel they needed to stay. They have a voice. But I got so much to talk about about this thing. Um, I hate the word hate. Uh, I, I, the only thing I hate is actually the word hate. The only thing I hate is the word. That's the I never say I hate you. I hate I think the hate the word hate is a strong fucking word. I don't think hate can be reneged. I just don't think you can renege on the saying the word hate. And you know I don't I don't want to you know it's like fuck man, don't critique or talk about people doing something. Like, get the fuck out of here. At least they stood up right, wrong, or indifferent. The owners, the players. This is what 
people don't get. They have uh, the NBA and the Players Association have one of the best 50 50 split agreements in professional sports. They agreed that people don't realize if you got to go, you got to go look this up. They agreed on a $300 million donation towards Black Lives Matter, towards the movement, towards suppression, towards all these different things. And the players and the co- and the owners agreed on it. So they agreed on this $300 million NBA, you know, um, m- m- spending money on the movement. If the players were to leave the bubble after that agreement, which they have a very strong agreement together, and they're very um, tightly knitted in the NBA between players and owners, not as good as the players want it to be, obviously. It'd never be that way with, uh, you know, boss and then employee. It's never going to be that way. But um, if the NBA would have said, fuck it, we're leaving, I think there would have been a huge issue. There would have been a fragmented deal. And then guess what? Now you're talking lockout next year. You're talking a bunch of issues. And it could have got ugly. I think the NBA players did right. Chris Paul's, but been, he, I don't I don't really like, I respect what he does because he's a feisty fucking shit talker, but he's leading these guys as the Players Association president, and he's doing a great job. Apparently, I got a couple buddies of mine that play, obviously, from um, in, in that league and are associated with that league, and I guess they told me that Another ugly fucking Clipper, man. This is the thing about the Clippers. You can't tell me that the Clippers are sh- not shitbirds, all right? There's gonna, the Clippers are going to go two ways. They're going to implode because there are too many shitbirds on the team. Or they're so talented of shitbirds, which I've been a part of that, that they're going to win because they're so fucking... They're so fucking uh, talented, okay? So you got to understand, there are some shitbirds at the Clippers. And apparently, Patrick Beverly, who's probably the ugliest human being in the NBA, maybe on earth, I don't know. They got three or four of them motherfuckers. He got in front of one of the the leading uh, black females. It's a black lady as well. This is during this time. This is not a good time, a good look for Patrick Beverly and the Clippers. But he gets up and starts to cut the lady off and says, I pay your salary. When the lady gets up there and is speaking what we're going to do and how we're attacking this protest and da, 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 Chris Paul and Udonim Haslam had to get up and check Patrick Beverly, apparently. And... Another Clipper, another Patrick Beverly story, another fucking shitbird. Sometimes, man, it takes one bad apple to ruin the whole fucking batch. I think they're going to have too many issues, and I don't see them going out of the West, number one. Number two, if they do, they're just the better team, and their shitbirds are just more talented. And like I've always said, coaching is often overrated, and players win games, coaches lose them. So... They might be as, just as talented as anyone and win, or they're going to have too many shitbirds and bad apples and lose. And that's just where I'm at with it. Um, but Patrick Beverly, again, not only a shitbird on the court, he's a shitbird off the court. 
and just can't shut his bitch ugly ass up. Fucking Chaka from Land of the Lost. Shut your fucking ass up one time. I can't stand them motherfuckers, man. So anyway, but I don't hate anyone. I don't hate them. Like I said, I don't like that word. But uh, there's 300 million reasons. And, and like I said, there's salaries involved. Doc Rivers, Chris Webber, they're not heard. You know, these people aren't heard if the bubble just went away. So I think it needs to stay. I think the bubble is a good thing right now. I think people get to see the message. Um, they get to see the unified front. And um, I think it's a good thing to keep it going. All right, let's get on. Brian Erlacher, man. There's so many of these motherfuckers. So out of junior college, I, I actually was attending the University of New Mexico before my clock was cooked, meaning my Division One clock was up after I was there. And Brian Erlacher was there, okay? Buddy of mine recruited him there. Um, and so I was there briefly with him. And... I didn't kick it with them. I didn't really, because I was on my own, on my own mission. I was going to try to be the starter there, which I think I would have been, and in, and all this type of shit, and then ended up leaving because I had to go Division Two because I had no clock left. Because I got fucked in junior college at a previous school. So the Bears basically dropped everything that has to do with Brian Erlacher, which was probably a smart move during these times right now, right? And so they dropped his whole... You know, they don't want to have anything to do with Erlacher right now. So he's one of these guys, like I told you the other day, I had a talk with one of my friends who's married to a black lady, has black kids, et cetera, et cetera. But how do you compare? This is his fucking rationale. He tries to compare Brett Favre playing against the Raiders on a Monday night game, um, which I was at actually where he dominated the Raiders, was on fire, and his dad passed away that night before, I believe, and or that morning, whatever. He He's comparing that effort and that piece of history to this Jacob Blake's shooting. Now, I don't know how you do that. And then he goes on and likes a post by some slapdick saying that Let's free Kyle Rittenhouse or whatever the guy's name is um, that shot three guys. My buddy had the same thing. My buddy was saying the same shit. He's saying, well, this guy's just defending America. <laughs> so then let's all get AKs and walk around and defend America. That is your fucking rationale to this whole thing. The motherfucker shouldn't have had an AK and been out there. Take your fucking lumps like the other motherfuckers that were beating your ass. They, catch a fair one. Catch a fair one where I'm from. You walking around with an AK. And then the cops let this white motherfucker walk right by. Gives them water. And let them walk by. You can't tell me that there's one black person in America that could have done that and got away. Like, don't make it. Don't say this is fucking equal. Don't say comply. And you won't get hurt by the cops. There's a thousand videos out there where brothers put their hand over their heads and they're complying and motherfucking cops kick them in the back of the neck, in the back of the head, in the back and slam them. And it's not even at all, man. I don't want to hear that shit. You can't even tell me that. So Brian Erlacher comes out and there's a million Brian Erlachers out there. I'm just telling you guys. 
There's a lot of motherfuckers that front on social media. And then when the pressure gets going and the the kitchen gets fucking a little heated, cats crumble and they burst out in flames. And that's what happened here. Daryl Strawberry, man. Come on. Daryl Strawberry is another one. An L.A. cat. Fuck. Grew up watching him. Him and Eric Davis. I mean, great baseball player right here from the inner city of L.A. And he's now on there with Trump and MAGA and all this shit. And, uh, man, I don't know, man. You just got to take it for what it's worth. That's why you never trust a motherfucker, man. I tell you that every day. Me and you. The other one ain't you. Just telling you. I trust two motherfuckers. But guess what? Um, don't understand it, man. Brian Kelly, I don't know. I don't. I haven't got into him. I was asked a question about him. Um, how I thought about his Black Lives Movement um, statement. I didn't get to see it, so I don't know. Is this something new? I don't know what's going on. I'm just addressing it. I don't know what he did, so I haven't talked about it. Hockey to me, just don't get it. They're a day late, dollar short on everything. Now, I know somebody on YouTube here said, well, they're going to cancel through the weekend. Well, yeah, but they're a day late, dollar short, dog. They should have canceled Wednesday night's game if they were on board and they wanted to make a statement. These motherfuckers went on and played, and one of the only black hockey players came out and said, we don't get it as a a league. Our league don't get it. A black player in your league said, we don't get it. And the NHL and NASCAR should, like, be in the same league to me. I mean, like, there's, there's just, it is what it is. And for people to expect different, you're setting yourself up for failure. So don't get so mad at the NHL and NASCAR and the Bubba Wallace situation when you know what NASCAR and the NHL is and has been since the fucking, the inception like, they're, they're, hockey's been white, played on white ice with fucking skaters. How many brothers you know are going to get on some fucking ice and skate and hit a fucking puck into a net? Hockey's been white forever. NASCAR's been white forever. So, let's be honest. Um... But let me get into it a little bit deeper. So you're telling me in 2020, you got these professional billion-dollar businesses, NBA, who's done a great job with their PR, their marketing. They've got ahead of it. They've made this thing um, about what matters right now, which is the Black Lives Matters movement. They've done all these things. NFL's done, done it as well. Um, but... Let me ask you, why isn't the NHL have not hired a person that can get ahead of it at least and even fake it? Go fake it. Like, go fake the shit and issue a statement, put you on hold. Let's suspend protest a game or something. But goddamn, you can't even hire a motherfucker to do that and you're a billion-dollar industry and you can't handle... You can't get ahead of it PR-wise and at least issue a statement and sound contrite that what's going on in America? I don't know, man. This shit's crazy. And half the baseball players, just so everyone's clear, has been the same way. 
uh, especially the white ones, the fucking rest of the baseball is, is international. People don't realize they look black. They're not black. They're international. Why do you think Compton College has created a major league baseball program there about 20 years ago that is so that's trying to get black American black kids into baseball? It's not it's not happening. So it's an international. It's an international fucking um, sport. Baseball has become really so for you guys to keep saying it's America's pastime and all this shit. It ain't no more, man. It's an international fucking revolving door. It's international game. Let's keep it real. So why are we invested so much? Why are we so butt hurt that there's no fans in the crowd? And why are we so butt hurt that? Baseball didn't start on time because these prima donnas wanted more money and all this other shit. And now they're going to go right into the NBA playoffs, like I said. And Major League Baseball will be so fucking shitty uh, as far as being watched. You know, it'll be watched by, like, Trump and them. It ain't going to be watched by fucking anyone else. And then, and then you got hockey doing the same. And then, I don't know, man. I don't know. Business stays open, no pressure. I just don't understand. Um, no business model. It's just crazy to me. NHL's done dropped the ball. But it is what it is, man. Like I said, don't get mad. You knew what it was going in. NHL don't have any um NHL don't have anything to really they don't they don't give a fuck. They don't have nothing. They're not thinking about repercussions because it's a 95% or whatever white league. And just like NASCAR. You got one brother speaking up. They don't give a fuck. So, just saying. Don't get mad because the truth has been there for years and since the inception. Don't get butthurt and offended now. Let's be real. It is what it is. Just don't watch the sport. Don't play the sport. Fuck it. There's your protest, America. So, let's get into Dame Lillard, okay? I've been on Dame Lillard pretty tough. I, I, I think so far, I, I don't know anything. I don't know him personally, obviously. He's from Northern Cali, Oakland. He, uh, you know, Dame isn't cut from the same cloth as I am. I don't believe he's cut from the same cloth as Kobe, Jordan, Bird, any of those guys. So I'm going to get into this Dame Lillard thing. He got a sprained knee. They're in an elimination game because the NBA is coming back now, right? He's on a, they got a picture on social media. He's with his son in a private jet headed back to Portland from Florida to get his knee looked at. Now, listen, you got to get your knee looked at. Cool. I'm not mad. But you've made a choice to go to the bubble, which he was one of the guys saying if they didn't have a chance to play, he didn't even want to come. You got to look at it from that point on and check out his heartbeat and how his pulse is. Because once I heard that, I knew that this dude ain't no winner and he ain't no rider. But everyone wants to swing from his dick. He didn't want to go to the bubble because they didn't have a shot at the eighth, eighth seed. But then we appoint him the next heir apparent to Kobe and Jordan and all these people. No, nah, man. Heart is unmeasured. You cannot measure heart. You can't give a dude a heart transplant. You can't give a dude ball replacement. Even with Manscaped, you can't give no dude balls replacement. So I'm just telling you, 
it's all good. You're on the plane with your son, but that's soft America. Okay. in that not me motherfucking the truth hurts and it blows my mind that the truth actually makes people hate you when in fact they should take it and go help someone else and teach the truth instead of sucking your dick and giving you these false hopes and then you crumble when the real world hits you in the mouth in fucking four years high school kids or in eight years junior high or fucking in four or three or two years college guys going to the professional league level. This dude left his brothers, so so to speak. The guys depending on him to win a championship. They all sign the same contract. They they all get paid on the first and fifteenth. They're all professionals, regardless of what you think. He left your brother. He left you, McCollum, Nurchit, Carmelo. He shook you, cats. If he's not gonna play. Because of a sprained knee. So be it. You got one game. At, you're going to get beat anyway. You're down 3-1. You're going to all go home soon. What does that say about you and your dedication to these cats? You couldn't stick it out for one more game after you guys agreed to play on. You guys agreed to play on collectively. You couldn't stick out with your brothers. And at least give props where props are due if you lose. And shake your brother's hands and hug him up if you if you lost. And be the bigger man. You guys are better. We're the eighth seed for a reason, like I said. Nah, you want to shake and make it about you on, an air, on a private jet and headed home. You left your dude. You shitted on him. That's what professional sports has become. That's how fucking society has been accepting of this behavior for I don't know how long and that's why we've become what we have become the 10th best nation in the world go fucking figure that it's because we allow this type of shit and just telling you man unbelievable before I go on, I'm asking a question. JC has a question. He said, as a white player in a predominantly black sport, did I ever experience racism? I'll take it a step further. Number one, not only was I a white player in a predominantly black sport, I was a white player in Compton. So I was the only white player in my city, not only at the college, but on my team. And I don't understand when I say, well, let me say this. When I say, it's always been the white person, not the brother. And people have said, you know, racism, there's racist, every type of racist, white racist, black racist. There is. There is. But what I'm saying is I've never experienced the white person. I'm sorry. I've never experienced the brother being the start of the problem. Never have I experienced that. I've seen the white folks be the start of the problem. I've never seen the brother be the problem. No, no one's ever came at me racially motivated and talking shit. And now I've been called cracker and bitch ass white boy, just like Luca, because what happens is when you're playing competitive basketball, pickup games and you're playing this, I'm talking shit. They're talking shit. 
Obviously, I don't say the N-word. I never have, even though I grew up with it. I know people would allow me to say it, like I've always said, but I don't think it's right. I never will say it. But being called bitch-ass white boy, cracker, whatever, that's shit talking. And I'm, I laugh it off and take it, and I talk shit right back. Now, if we get face-to-face, like I told you, I'm biting when they're barking. I'm not going to bark to their bark, you know. Um, that's just how I was raised, and, you know, you got to be about it. Um, don't talk about it. Not in that situation. And when you knock out the hardest motherfucker on the court, everyone else falls in line, just like the pen, just like in jail. Trust me. I've been to both, done both. So I don't get the, there's no comparison. I've never had any racist issues towards me. And I've been, like I said, I've been the white, only white player. And I've been the only white coach at Compton College, two different generations. And then obviously I was the only white boy growing up in Compton during the 80s and 90s uh, or early, fuck the whole 80s, really, uh, even in the 90s uh, as I got older. But still, you know, uh, you know, that's just the real thing. Um, no, I've never experienced it. I've seen it. So I've, if you were asking me that regard, I have experienced it in that regard, but I've never seen it um, personally to me, towards me, directed towards me. Um, so back to this whole, you know, Dame Lillard deal. He leaves his brothers, number one. He could have stuck it out and waited for them to get their next game and lose. Just shows you. Because kids are watching you, Dame Lillard. They're watching you. Leave their teammates. Leave your teammates to go. The kids now that see that think that it's cool to do that. Diana Taurasi. The kids watching you, looking up to you, think it's cool to call out the ref now next year in high school. Dame Lillard, you leaving your teammates. Now it's a coaches are going to be fucking pulling teeth to keep their kids at practice in games, etc., etc. Because you don't understand. People watch us. Every day is a fucking interview and somebody's always watching. I don't give a fuck if you're at Walmart or you're at practice, you're in class. It's just like the eye in the sky don't lie in, in, in football. The eye in the sky don't lie in life. Every day is an interview. Conduct yourself as so. Kids are watching Dame. And then his post, he talks about oh, dislocated finger, sprained knee, got to go. I've played with all these fingers I have have been dislocated, broken, or look how fat and fucking crooked they are. Thumb out. You can ask my coach. You can ask. You can ask any fucking buddy you want to talk about. About my heart and guts and nuts because my shit was out. I had a bone sticking out of this fucking finger. And. They set it in the snow in Colorado, and I went under center the very next series and played. Did not miss a down. But we got motherfuckers dislocated finger leaving the court. At least Kobe came back in the game right when they popped it in. Just so you know, it's a dislocation. It ain't a compound fracture. I had a compound fracture and went back in the game. So, I don't know, man. I don't get it. You guys are just like, you guys are like, exactly, Hawk Rocker. 
What would Ronnie Lott think? The motherfucker cut his finger off to keep playing. And you're telling me that you're comparing these motherfuckers to those cats? To us, our generation? That's why you can compare generations, in my opinion. <sighs> don't know, man. Um, I just don't think that real shit has been told to these motherfuckers is the issue. Too much dick sucking, not enough real talk. And it comes from coaches, parents, administrators. I think we've allowed it. I talked to a teacher the other day that says, you know, they tried to discipline their kid, but the kid went and told the principal, and the principal told the the, co the teacher to calm down. So it's it's become lawsuit worry. I'm worried about getting a lawsuit from a parent. I'm worried about this. So we've, we've instead of fought the fight, good fight, fight the good fight, instead of fighting it, we've just took it in the ass and allowed these helicopter parents, these soft-ass fucking people, to run shit and dictate the coverage, so to speak. See, as an offensive coordinator and offensive guy, you always want to dictate the coverage by formation, by pass game, by run game. We've allowed them to dictate the coverage to us. We're going to get their favorite coverage every fucking snap because we won't fight against it. We won't do anything to change the narrative, and we're just going to keep taking it in the ass. That's the fucked up part about it. So, I don't know, man. Derek Thomas, man, I got to, I got to, uh, I was, I was on those teams, man. Um, right when he died, freaking nature, he was a great dude. Um, I want to give a shout out to Lute Olson, man. Uh, Lute Olson, great coach, at University of Arizona, passed away last night, eighty-five years old. Uh, went to four Final Fours. I think he won eleven Pac-12, ten back then Pac-10 championships. Um, I think he won what a title or two. At least he won. At least won one. Went went to two. Um, he coached Damon Stoudemire, a couple great uh, Miles Simon, who's an assistant on the Lakers. We all played against each other growing up, obviously as well. Uh, Miles Simon went modern day here, local Orange County, California. But there's a lot of those guys out there. Um, Gary. I mean, there's. But anyway, one of them was Tom Tolbert, who who played in the NBA a long time. Uh, Shaq gave him a shout-out on TNT the other day because he was a teammate of Shaq's. But Tom Tolbert and his family, Jeff Tolbert, his little brother, uh, his mother and father, they all grew up with my family. So my brother, Billy, um, who passed away a couple weeks ago, I wasn't very close to him, but he passed away a couple weeks ago. Him and Tom were best friends. And uh, so if Tom Tolbert gets a wind of this, um, get a hold of me, Tom. Um, but he posted a, a, a tweet last night, Rip Lute Olsen, greatest coach he ever had, greatest mentor, et cetera, et cetera. He was a great coach. Like I said, I put coaches in a category by themselves. I don't care what sports you coach, except for managers in baseball. I think managers are different. But except for – so baseball, I mean basketball, football, um, even hockey – um, you know, I think coaches coach, I don't care what sport they're coaches, they're great coaches. They're great coaches. You have to manage a thousand personalities and get 22 plus motherfuckers going the same direction at the same time. Then I think you're a great coach. So Lou Dolson was a great coach and 
you know, Damon put Damon Stoudemire put out a tweet saying, you know, he was talking to, um, you know, University Denny Crum, who was the head coach at the University of Louisville, and then until midnight that night, Damon was going to Louisville. Great program, great program. And uh, Lou Dostin called him at midnight. Legal or illegal, I don't know the rules back then, but uh, I've done these type of situations, trust me. And uh, he said not only did he change his mind, he changed his life. And I tweeted out, you know, coaches will always out-recruit motherfuckers when they're worried about their life, coaching their life instead of just coaching their game. Improve your life, not just your game. And I posted that. Damon got wind of it. Damon was a fan of the show. He hit me up. We talked last night, and uh, we're going to share cigars and, and a couple things. But he's the head coach out of University Pacific uh, up at up Stockton, California, um, and he does a great job. So shout out to Damon Sotomayor, Tom Tolbert, uh, the Arizona family that that lost Lou Olson last night. This is some. Uh, I'm going to talk some other shit real quick. Tiger Woods says and does nothing. And and I don't want to take away from his mother's ethnicity, but his dad is black, right? So he don't claim to be black or say anything regarding the issues that we're having and is a huge voice, but won't use it. It's really sad and shameful. I, I don't understand what he's doing. You know, people give Jordan a lot of heat, too. Jordan was, a, from what I understand, was an influential voice in this whole bubble continuing to play in the playoffs. Jordan's a, obviously an owner in the NBA. He had a very good discussion and jointed the players and the owners the other night. So Jordan had something to do with this, I hear. You can argue that Jordan don't give back to black community either, and he helps fucking jails, and he's doing all this other shit. Jordan didn't talk when he played either. Yeah, I agree. And he didn't say much. And you don't really know. You can't judge a person like that, in my opinion, if you don't really know him. That's why I stay out my I stay in my lane. And uh, people get out of their lane too much, in my opinion, and start talking about people that they have no clue about. You know, I go, I, I revert back to the Kobe situation. I used to have friends I used to talk shit to because friends were like, oh, fuck Kobe. He's a bitch because he got into it with Shaq. And I'm slitting there laughing like, you're judging a dude you've never met. Because him and Shaq got into it. He's, and you're taking away from his court ability to say that? Blows my fucking mind. That's probably about 20 years ago. That's when the soft America started, in my opinion. And that's because of motherfuckers like that. So Tiger Woods just... I got a story. So I grew up, obviously, I went to Artesia High School, okay? And uh, that's in Lakewood, California. Tiger Woods went to a high school called Western High School in Cypress, California, which is the border of Orange County and L.A. County, where they meet up. So obviously, I'm a football player, and I play football, and then football season ends, and I was, my dad had me golfing when I was little, man. I was actually always pretty good at golf. I had a natural stroke. I could, I could hit it mile I was a great putter good chipper great second shot guy third shot guy I needed to practice I was still decent but I was I was a good you know I was a two handicap three handicap into my 20s um late teens 20s so I was really good better than average right so we played and this my coach was like listen I got a couple of football players went out to play golf 
and and my coach was like, listen, man, there's this guy. He's the number one player in America, and he's going to Stanford, and um, his name's Tiger Woods. And I'm like, oh, well, we didn't have internet back then. We didn't have social media. We didn't have anything. So nobody knew who he was like that. He was on, I think, ESPN already as a, the best 17-year-old or whatever in America, amateur. He already played a few tournaments. So we go out and play, and this is a true God's honest story on my daughter's life. We played, played a La Mirada golf course, I believe. And, and in high school, you only play nine holes. So we're playing nine holes, and, uh, you know, I shot a one over. He shot one under, and so he beat me by two strokes. But he's talking shit. He looks just like he does today, dressed up, polo, da-da-da. I'm in a white pro club and, like, dicky shorts, straight ghetto. I'm out there. I... You know, he probably outdrove me five holes. I probably got him four or better, at least if it was a part three. I think there was two part threes or one part three, um, so I don't count that. But, um, you know, obviously he's the best player ever possibly. Um, I still love Jack Nicklaus. I think Jack Nicklaus is still the best until Tiger beats him. But he, you know, I think Tiger's the best, um, especially being a, a, co- a, a, a player of like color, dog. I mean, where is his voice at? He can be a huge voice for this thing. And I talked shit to Tiger that day because I knew who he was. And I think he's much better than one under that day. And I think I fucked with him enough proving my point today. He's being fucked with because he's scared to talk back. He didn't talk back to me. He didn't want to even have nothing to do with it. He was raised that way, trained that way, and he's still doing it today. Closed mouth don't get fed, dog. Closed mouth don't help nobody either. Can't hurt you. Open mouth can't hurt you sometimes like myself. But at the same time, at least I'm going to stick my neck out. Um, R. Kelly got beat up in jail. Have you heard this story? R. Kelly got beat up. I heard that they were trying to force him to pl- to sing his own song, Bump and Grind. And that's what Michael Rapport said. I think it's all fucking bullshit. If that's the truth, I'll fucking piss my pants. But anyway, um, R. Kelly got, got, I don't know if he got fucked in jail and if he got ran through, but his ass got his ass beat. And uh, I think they're trying to fuck him. Hey, man, pedophiles and fucking rapists, that's what you should happen. That's what happens in jail. Just ask. I've been there. Trust me. I've seen some shit. Don't say I've had it happen, motherfuckers. No, I ain't that bitch made cat. But anyway, um, R. Kelly got his ass beat, and, uh, hey, it is what it is. Um, I don't know if he'll make it out of that shit. Malik Brown, what up? You too. Hey, so, that's right. Grow, oh, hey, grown man strength, man. Grown man strength is a different type of strength, and these young kids don't think that shit. They don't realize that shit. They think that shit's a joke. I'm like, these dumb motherfuckers. Bobby Bruce and all them on the show, they, they motherfuckers weren't getting me in that goddamn lake. And I loved doing it. I wanted to have fun with it. But they weren't getting me in that lake. So, and I would have burned one of them motherfuckers with my cigar, guarantee you. I didn't even drop my cigar. And I would have called Stogie over and I would have let Stogie start beating them motherfuckers. Uh, biting his ass. Um, so let's get into... Uh, this seven-on-seven seven world we live in, dude. Uh, you know, we got this seven-on-seven seven teams and coaches, man. I know if there's any coaches listening, 
Um, seven on seven has diminished our sport of football. All right, it's it's basically done what AAU did to basketball, and I think seven on seven has affected the game at every level, and. It's made the NFL soft because those players played seven on seven. Then they went to college and then they went to the NFL. It's made the NFL soft. It's made college division one soft. You get these five-star big time players out of high school who go to an Alabama Clemson somewhere like that and get ran off the gym and can't compete and can't work hard and get cussed out and can't handle that because they've had their dick sucked and they played seven on seven with a fucking soft shell helmet and they think that that's fucking football and it's not and you have the coaches out there who are coaching seven on seven and the motherfuckers are teaching the worst possible fundamentals techniques and habits and teach just so you know habits are not only taught physically they're learned mentally they take those things in that they hear and it becomes second nature if they hear it enough. Subconsciously, these kids take what they hear and they fucking start to dream them. They start to, it gets locked in their soft minds. And shame on us for fucking teaching the wrong thing to these kids. Quarterbacks sit there on a QBT. For people that don't know what a quarterback T is, it's a fucking electronic device that holds the football and it has a clock on it, a timer. And I used it back in the fucking late 90s when they invented them. And we thought it was the best shit ever. Well, it's the worst shit ever. Because you're actually not low enough for a center to get underneath. You don't feel the hand and pressure. So you'll never understand what it's like to fumble a football. So that's why I never used them after that. I started when I started coaching. I always had a person on a knee snapping it in a in a simulated fashion that a real center would do. So you see these seven on seven guys take this fucking QBT and they take a drop that's not even a fucking full yard deep, and then throw the football at O line that their back's level. So they're basically throwing the football into a guard or tackle's back. That's how low the delivery is because they get no drop and they're taught this horrible fucking mechanics. And then they shout it out. They, they, they start saying, that's the greatest fucking job, the best catch, the best throw. But his drop was shit. He never got away from the line of scrimmage. So the offensive guard that's getting pushed into him and you're telling me that's great coaching and great football. Again, we're in the entitled business, enabling business, and we're telling these kids false truths that they're doing a great job. And I'm just telling you, man, we're enabling these dudes to a that I've never seen. So it's unbelievable. Um, Seven on seven is a joke. It should be played in a practice setting with a center and you install your past game concepts and your coverages and you work those things, you coach it up, you teach it on the film and you move on. Just so everyone knows, if you watch the show, 
You never saw me running seven on seven in practice. You saw us doing nine on nine, which was with a center and a nose and two tackles and two DNs. Because I wanted the quarterback to fucking feel the pressure of the nose in the middle. And I wanted the center to work his snap. I wanted the center to work his punch and pass set. And I wanted my two tackles to work our fucking pass sets against DNs. Now, we gave them rules because we didn't have guards, obviously. So the DNs can only work pass rush up the field. No spinning inside. No fucking games. And the O tackles knew to soft hard set and, and vertical set it. And we worked that in practice. So our quarterback can take some pressure, not get hit, obviously. We still wanted to throw the football. But we can simulate more of a realistic approach. So we call it nine on nine. And I've been doing that for 15 years. So it blows my mind. Now, you got this private high school coach who's revered as a, as a walking legend. If You know, I'm going to get into these. There's Out here in the parochial school business in California, you have St. John Bosco, you have Modern Day, and you have these great programs that are number one and two in the country every year, and they're, they got million-dollar budgets. And, I mean, they're bigger, they're bigger budgets than a you know, college program. And the coaches at those levels I laugh about because all these people say they're the greatest high school coaches. So I take a job at Long Beach Cabrillo High School. And I'm there, and we're in this league with Long Beach Poly, and we're in this conference with Bosco Modern Days, Corona Centennial, Orange Lutheran, uh, Santa Margarita, all these powerhouses. And I went to the playoffs all four years I was there. We played for a, a league title three out of the four years against Long Beach Poly. And we played these teams I just mentioned in the playoffs every year. So we played Orange Lutheran. I played Mission Viejo, I played J. Sarah, I played San Clemente, I played St. John Bosco, I played Tesoro High School. We played these high schools during the season, and then in the playoffs, we played St. John Bosco. And they had a quarterback by the name of Josh Rosen, who's in the NFL, and great little running back and a big old line, and they had all these D1 kids and all this shit, Okay. So me being the worker I am and me being the professional perfectionist that I am, I want to make sure I was going to give our kids the best chance. We're outmanned and outmoneyed and outprogrammed, obviously, right? But they had been beating teams 49 to nothing, 60 to nothing, 59 to nothing all year. And they play in the best conference supposedly in America, which is called the Pac-5 out here in California. Now it's gone. It's all divisions. But... Anyway, I wanted to scheme them up front, which I did. And I threw some college-level shit at their ass. And they didn't know what the fuck to do. They burned three timeouts in the first quarter. And the score was 16-7 to at halftime. And they had been beating everybody at half, 35 nothing. And we were outmanned and had maybe one Division One kid or two, and they had 15 to 20. Don't tell me that the coaching is the greatest. It's about timing. It's about who you know, not what you know. 
And I can talk about NFL coaches that way, and I can talk about D1 coaches the same way. It's about who you know, not what you know. And I will put my fucking X and O prowess, abilities, experiences against anybody, and I think I'll walk out the room. Um, either a winner or learner, because you don't lose. I learn or I win. I'm just telling you. I either win or I learn. I never lose. But to be honest, if you talk about winning and losing a, a chalkboard session, I don't know if I've ever lost one of those. And I'll put my fucking marker on any board against anybody. And we can talk any scheme. But last chance you didn't show that type of shit. So you don't see me doing all that. So it is what it is. But um, apparently I don't know football. But ask anybody that's Zoom met, meeting me and see if I know football. So anyway, um, shout out to Powell High School out in Tennessee, Kentucky, Tennessee last night for winning. Um, I, I helped uh, coach out there, the offensive coordinator, good dude, uh, Coach Jones. Um, and uh, we talked early in the week, and they went out and got the win. Quarterback played well, apparently. But anyway, uh, you know, the private school shit is overrated as far as the coaching. And they're making 150, 200 grand. Just understand that. So I was making $3,500 stipend at the public inner city school, helping inner city kids get better at life, not just fucking football. They didn't deal with those things. Those kids are being bussed in. They're fed. They're eating. Their parents are millionaires. They got boosters donating money every which way. And we're supposed to beat them when you're out-resourced by millions and you're out-programmed by facilities and administration. It's all buy-in, man. Winners figure a way. Losers make excuses. Just is what it is. But anyway, um, but that's the show, man. Um, you know, this, uh, this Friday, the show, shit, we're over an hour, man. I appreciate everybody on YouTube. I appreciate everybody listening. Stay safe out there, man. I'll, I'll be back Sunday, man, um, right before I do my JB's Pillow Talk on 90 Day Fiance. And I, like I said, next week I'm starting my own Slapdick channel. Same channel here, same name, everything. Um, so b b members, member up. Um, and I'm going to start doing a coach's channel, and I'm going to start doing a uh, – uh, a last chance you I'm going to straight watch the last chance you shows and give you real commentary on that shit so become a member to get to see that and like I said I'll be giving away shit um one-on-one -on -one, uh FaceTime meetings if you want uh shout outs whatever just like I do on cameo and I'll be doing uh giveaways of my whiskey and cigars shout out to Walter Jones Hall of Fame left tackle for the Seattle Seahawks uh, he tried my whiskey last night, shot out a video on social media that I shared and, uh, he loved the whiskey, him and his partners. And, uh, he also has a cigar line. So some big time guys enjoying the whiskey right now. The whiskey is very, very good. I'm telling you, it's very, very good. So, uh, make sure you get it. CoachJBStore.com. You can get the slapdick whiskey. And slapdickcigars.com, you can get the cigars. Both are fire. But I appreciate the support from everybody out there, man, even my haters. You all can eat a dick. And all my supporters, love you guys, man. Hey, man, coach them hard. Love them harder. It's the real Coach JB.
Peace. Hope this ain't my last chance. It's the last chance for you. Last chance for me. Will I make it? Will I take it to the top? We gon' see. It's the last chance for you. Last chance for me. It's the last chance for you. Last chance for me. It's the last chance for you. Last chance for me. Will I make it? Will I take it to the top? We gon' see. It's the last chance for you. Last chance for me. It's the last chance for you. Last chance for me. 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 Last chance for